the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, January the 24th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On January 24, 1984, Apple Computer began selling its first Macintosh model. It had a built-in 9-inch monochrome display, a clock rate of 8 megahertz, and 128K RAM. It was awesome. <laughs> Oh, boy, we've come a long way from that. Today in 1848, James Marshall discovered a gold nugget, Sutter's Mill in Northern California, a discovery that led to the gold rush of 1849. Today in 1965, British statesman Winston Churchill. He died in London. He was 90 years old. Today in 1989, confessed serial killer Ted Bundy, Theodore Bundy, he was executed in Florida's electric chair. And today in 2003, former Pennsylvania Governor Tom Ridge was sworn sworn in as the first secretary of the new Department of Homeland Security. He was thought to be a conservative. At least many of us thought he was a conservative. I don't know what George W. Bush thought, but boy, he was not. Not at all. He had all kinds of far-left IDs, ideas and ideologies and so on. You never know. You know the old saying, you can't tell a book by its cover. It's so true. you got to open it up and read it before you really know what it's all about. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19 says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Amen. I count on that in my own life, and I'm pretty sure most of you do as well. All of us have enemies. There are enemies to life. There are things that work against our spiritual life for sure. And we we expect God, we look to the Lord to help us to rise up against the enemies of our lives, whatever they may be. God is faithful. And I just wanted to take a moment this morning to tell you that God is in control. Joe Biden clearly is not. I don't know if anyone thinks he is, but someone who appears to be in control are not really the ultimate or the last word. Almighty God is in control. Some of the pro-life advocates were met with blasphemous screens. I saw a video yesterday. Of, there were some people, some adults, and some kids were praying at the 50th annual March for Life on this past Friday. We talked quite a bit about that on Friday and on yesterday. We talked about it a little bit here. But I just had to share this with you. It's kind of interesting. Uh, at least it was to me. While several pro-life advocates were kneeling and praying, this young woman drew, uh, came up close to them and started shouting at the top of her voice. I looked at the video. It's like it's almost it's very dark. 
uh, I, I won't say it's demonic, but I, I think it is. But it certainly, well, it is demonic. But anyway, she comes up real close to them and starts just shouting, just shrieking, praise Jesus for abortion. Praise Jesus for abortion. Praise only fake white Jesus for abortion. She's just screaming as her voice is breaking and cracking. Pro-life advocates were holding a sign which read, life always wins. What did they do? How did they respond? Well, they just continued to pray. They, they kind of, I saw in one video, they kind of looked at this woman while they were praying, but they didn't re- react or respond to her at all. They just kept praying. And um, she kept yelling. She was getting upset because she wasn't getting a reaction. And uh, she kept talking about Jesus and abortion and, and all just crazy stuff. And then she said, not very holy of you, not very Christian of you, huh? Pro-life, one pro-life activist walked over and tried to stand in between her and the people who were praying. They were knelt down. She then took out a whistle, you know, like a like a referee's whistle, and began blowing it incessantly. And it was, it was loud. It was shrill. And she said, you know, not everybody's Christian, right? You know, not everybody believes in Jesus, right? And she just started taunting them while they're praying. But despite all of this, these praying pro-lifers continued to recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And they prayed for the Supreme Court, and they did what the Bible tells us to do. Pray for the authorities. They prayed for President Joe Biden. And I got to tell you, the part of the piece I saw the video that drove that young woman crazy, who was trying to disrupt their prayer, and clearly it didn't work. And uh, she got so upset, she finally just left. Boy, I'll tell you, we do not war against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. This is a spiritual warfare that we're in today, in this country, in this world. I found it interesting that this morning, or over the weekend, I saw it this morning, Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr He told the media in Atlanta, there was a lot of rioting and and some shooting and stuff in Atlanta over the weekend, not surprising to any of our large cities anymore. But anyway, he he told over the weekend, he told the, the media in Atlanta to stop referring to cop city rioters as protesters amid lawlessness in the city over the weekend. He tweeted, he said, quote, to the Atlanta media. Peaceful protesters use words. Rioters smash windows, set police cars on fire, and shoot law enforcement officers. Carr continued in his his tweet. He said, stop calling these people protesters. Boy, that caught my attention because I've said that so often on this program, particularly when CHOP was going on in Seattle and Portland had a a string of, what, 100 days of rioting and burning and breaking every, every night and so on. And we see what's happening across the nation. Um, the news media would come on, and and they said for a long time, they would come on and say, especially local people, come on and they'd say the mostly peaceful protest. It wasn't mostly peaceful, and it wasn't a protest. It was a riot. They were burning and breaking and shooting, as this attorney general pointed out in Atlanta over the weekend. He says, don't call them protesters 
They're not. They're rioters. There is a difference. It's interesting how the left kind of chooses to bend words and use language to mislead people. We have to be very, very careful in today's environment. It is perhaps one of the most um, supercharged as far as deception that I've seen in my lifetime, for sure. I want to talk to you a little bit about the something the New York Times did, which someone must have swallowed before they did this, but they did it. They didn't admit that they were wrong, but they did admit they are wrong. They're dead wrong on this issue. But they did admit that liberals are becoming outraged at schools. The lefties, the people that voted Joe Biden into office and others like him. The New York Times published this front page article yesterday. And they, in the article, they're documenting the outrage that even liberal parents feel when schools hide their minor children's gender transitions from them until it's too late to intervene. Well, a lot of us have been saying that. And now the New York Times is not saying it, but they're admitting it. I feel by the way they craft their words that they're a little reluctant to do so, but they are. It's becoming a backlash. And I think the left is trying to recover from what they see as a major setback. They've gone too far. And people, even their own support base, are pushing back. And they're mad. They're outraged. The article was titled, When Students Change Gender Identity and Parents Don't Know. It highlights the anxiety of the educators. A lot of educators, they say, are torn between. Not all educators are activists. We say that often on this program. I know we have educators in our family. And I know they're not. But you would think that they are because those that are on the far left pushing the agenda of whether it's critical race theory or whether it's abortion uh, with Planned Parenthood curricula or whether it's the, um, the LGBTQ with Glesson and, and, and uh, human re, uh, HRC and all of these guys producing materials for public schools. In each of these studies, quote unquote, there are parents that are awakening and saying, wait a minute. I, this isn't what I want my child to be taught. So put that idea in this context. And let me talk to you a little bit about what this New York Times article says. And I, I follow the New York Times because as pathetic as all of our big newspapers are, the New York Times is still the leader of the blind. And they are headed, as Jesus said they would, toward a ditch when the blind leads the blind. But nonetheless, the Time still probably has the most influence of the far-left newspapers in the world, I suppose. At least they are one of them, and certainly in the United States. So the LGBTQ has been allowed to dismantle these kids' lives and the families and so on. They have created a phenomenon that isn't scientific in, in, in anybody's mind, except the advocates who have something to enrich themselves with, particularly making money off this, that would be doctors, hospitals, and people who create the curricula. 
so they're they've advanced this whole thing of you may not be a a, a boy if you if you had some little boy uh, girlish feelings maybe you're a girl trapped in a boy's body and on and on and on so <laughs> the outrage and the pushback has started the new york times has been advocating this in a hundred ways in the articles they write but along the way The Times reports the outrage of the parents, even liberal parents who support gay rights and transgenderism for adults. They're saying it's too much. You've kept us in the dark. Even when children consider hormones and surgery. The story, (laughs) the story begins with this, and I'll quote a little bit of it. This is a quote from the New York Times. Jessica Bradshaw found out that her 15-year-old identified as transgender at school after she glimpsed a homework assignment with an unfamiliar name scrawled at the top. When she asked about the name, the teenager acknowledged that at his request, teachers and administrators at his high school in Southern California had for six months been letting him use the boys' bathroom and calling him by male pronouns. Mrs. Bradshaw was confused. Didn't the school need her permission? or at least need to tell her? It did not, a counselor later explained, because the student did not want his parents to know. District and state policies instruct the school to respect his wishes, not the parents. There was never any word from anyone to let us know on that paper, and in the classroom, our daughter was our son, Mrs. Bradshaw said. End of quote. There are hundreds, perhaps thousands of parents across the nation that are outraged to public schools because they have essentially stolen their children without the parents having a clue. They find out when the whole process is way down the road. That was the case with this Jessica Bradshaw, but that could be replicated thousands of times. Dozens of parents whose children have socially transitioned at school told the Times that they felt villainized by educators who seem to think that they, not the parents, knew what was best for their children. They insisted that educators should not intervene without notifying parents unless there's evidence of physical abuse in the home. Although some of them didn't want their children to transition at all, these are secular people. They didn't want them to transition at all, but others said they were open to it but they felt schools forced the process to move too quickly and that they couldn't raise concerns without being cut out completely or having their home labeled unsafe. And that is a growing practice in public education now. They deem the home, if the home doesn't agree with the agenda, the LGBTQIA+, XYZ, whatever, if you don't go along with their plan, they will deem your home unsafe. And that is a legal term that blocks you from raising your child. And I'm not overstating. Many advocates for the LGBTQ youth center that parents, uh, they, they countered that parents should stop scapegoating the schools and instead ask themselves why they don't, why they don't believe their children. They don't believe their children because their children are confused. Medical reports after medical reports after medical reports show that most of these kids that get gender-confused dysphoria, they get over it as they go along in life. God created us male and female, and when we go against that, we're not. that's not an enlightening moment, nor is it progressive. 
It is a regressive and it is a dark moment in the life of a child. They need their parents to help them guide this through this, not some cockamamie, half-cocked public school somewhere. That's the problem in America. We're raising generation after generation that are so confused and so misled and so deceived, they grow up and they don't even know who they are. Suicide rates are spiking among kids who have identified as something other than what they are sexually, their gender. They've even separated gender now from human sexuality. Gender is a choice. Your biological birth is a mistake that God made, if there was a God in their mind. The New York Times and its kinfolk in the news media have aligned with the LGBTQ activists and are they, they have been breathlessly pushing this transitioning movement to its limit. And now they're caught in this sinking sand of their own doing. They have not built their house or the house of the children on a rock, the rock for sure. They have not. Given the complexities, Mrs. Bradshaw said she resented the fact, and she's a liberal, she said she resented the fact that the school had made her feel like a bad parent for wondering whether educators had put her teenager, a minor, on a path the school wasn't qualified to oversee. They're not. They confuse these kids. They deceive these kids. They get them into an abortion clinic during the noon hour. Happened several years ago in Seattle in Ballard High School. They get them off to some kind of a, a, a path where they're going to change their gender. I mean, every part of these kids' lives have been taken over by public education. And we've got to react and respond to that. It's God's will that we not raise our children in that kind of an environment. She said, this Mrs. Bradshaw, the article's long, and it has a lot of people, and I don't have time to go through each of the personal situations. This, this was just one of them, but it's typical. But given the complexities, she says she resents the fact that the school made her feel like a bad parent. She said it felt like a parenting stab in the back from the school system. She said it should have been a decision we made as a family. This is a liberal speaking. And she's upset. The student, now is 16, told the New York Times that his school had provided, it's really a girl, but her, they call him his, school had provided him with a space to be himself that he otherwise lacked. He said he tried to come out to his parents before, but said they didn't take him seriously, which is why he asked his school for support. An increasing number of parents, the Times notes, find themselves reluctantly drawn to supporting Republican politicians. <laughs> that would be a problem, wouldn't it? Yeah, some of the liberals are saying they, they won't vote for the Democrats, the progressive so-called, anymore. They're voting for Republican politicians and conservative legal foundations who are standing up for parental rights against transgender activists who have the support of the Biden administration and powerful interest groups. Other self-described liberal parents say they have registered as independents and voted Republican for Republican candidates because of this single school issue. 
That's how bad it's gotten. It isn't just me sitting over here on my corner of the United States talking about how bad it is. I mean, people are awakening to this. And they're saying, enough. Okay, I'm a Democrat. I'm for climate change and all the other nonsense. But you're not going to do this to my kid. I'm not going to let you do this. And they're starting to vote Republican by their own admission. And they're starting to engage conservative organizations. We know them all. Legal organizations that help parents regain control of the raising of their children. And they're starting now, liberals are starting to hire these various uh, Christian law firms to do what Christians have been asking these law firms to do, and they and they do quite well at, I might add, for a long time. Republican candidates, for the first time as a result of this issue, are getting elected. These people, the liberals, are voting for them. They haven't, I looked, I, I couldn't find any cases where they've sued yet. But I can tell you, I found a lot of cases where parents around the country, not not just in one area, but around the country, are starting to line up with ADF and, uh, you know, all we know there's a number of, of Christian law firms who they're focused on these kinds of things. And now the liberals are coming to them, asking them to save them from themselves and what they have been believing. But now they're starting to push back. Governors who are taking leadership on this issue have approval ratings through the through the roof. I mean, it, people are, are are turning away from their their progressive ways. C.S. Lewis once said, I'll paraphrase him, I don't have his quote in front of me, but C.S. Lewis once said about progressivism, he says, the person that's the most progressive is the person who figures out he's on the wrong path and he turns around and goes back and gets on the right path. He said, that's a true progressive. Well, that's not the kind of progressives that we have here in America, unfortunately, in the White House. But governors who are taking leadership on this have great approval ratings. Florida Governor DeSantis is taking direct action by passing laws that protect parent-child relationships and they get public education out of surrogate parenting. He won his last election by by a 20-point landslide. I mean, it was amazing. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, remember him? We talked about him on this program. He's a newcomer to politics, very successful businessman. He and his wife are deeply committed to the Lord. In fact, he said publicly, and he, very wealthy man, he's been very successful, but he said publicly, he said, I really prayed about this. And he said, my wife and I prayed that, that God would direct me and and we needed to hear from Jesus on whether I should do this or not. But it was over the school issue. In Virginia, and he became governor, and nobody thought he could win. I mean, he's a bright guy, very committed Christian, he and his wife and their family. The Times' current reporting confirms that earlier reporting <laughs> could have been wrong. <laughs> they don't say those words, but they do They do acknowledge. And they would be one of the most, one of the greatest abusers of truth. I found it interesting following Arizona's successful rollout. They, they, they rolled out this groundbreaking school choice law last October, and I mentioned it on this program. You may not remember. I haven't talked a lot about it, but I've been sort of paying attention to it. 
there's an increasing number of states that are moving forward with bills that allow students, and, and Arizona was kind of the leader, and their families to utilize taxpayer dollars to fund the schooling options of their choice, school choice. And that's been an issue in some of the elections in later years, but um, it hasn't become a, a political issue yet, but I think it's becoming that now to where it, it gets some traction. But their, their, uh, Arizona's bill extended its educational savings, they call it an ESA program, to all K-12 students in the state. It, al- it allows parents to use up to $7,000 per child per year to pay for private school tuition, uh, tutoring, textbooks, online courses, homeschool curricula, and other education-related expenses. The most expensive program of its kind in the nation, but others are following A recent poll found that 67% of people living in Arizona, Arizonans, and 77% of parents with school-aged children support this ESA program. The um, enrollment has surged from from 10,000 when they rolled this out initially to 45,000 over the last couple of months. Similar programs are for, are found and are putting being put forward in West Virginia, Virginia, Oklahoma, Iowa, Florida, Georgia, and Idaho. No, Washington, Oregon, and California are not following suit. There's a hypocrisy in all of this. Abigail Schreier wrote a book. Uh, it was published. I, I think it was available in in 20, 2020, but the um, it was published in uh, January of 2019, and then they rolled, really rolled it out a little bit later. But she was writing in this book, and she was talking about the flaws in all of this, and the New York Times really took her to task. And um, <laughs> very interesting. The Times, the Times said, Abigail Schreier writing in the Wall Street Journal. She's a writer for the Wall Street Journal. But she was very uh, direct on this issue. Uh, she she describes it as a social contagion. This was a couple of years ago. She says, uh, four years ago now, she says that young people, many of them college age and most of them born female bodied, are embarking upon a transition with its surgeries and hormones and other accompanying challenges. Well, the, Wall, the uh, New York Times went on to uh, really mock this woman who had written this. They said even the headline on, on her essay is an insult when your daughter defies biology. Uh, And they said there's an abundance of scientific research makes clear that gender variance is a fundamental truth of human biology and so on. I mean, they're just quoting the the LGBTQ movement. But they say transgender people have not come out with the entirety of our existence solely to hurt Tucker Carlson's feelings. We do not embark upon transition because it's groovy. We are here because our hearts demand it. I suspect a lot of parents' hearts that loves their child and they want the best for their child. But unfortunately, they haven't gotten the best because of our public school policies. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 12 tells us exactly what, she, what, what, what we should be doing. Number one, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. We've got to know what we believe before we can lead our children in the path that they should walk in. Thou shalt teach them diligently to your children. 
and you shall live out that lifestyle. Read those verses and see what God has to say about this. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.